welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast today. This is episode number 321. And today, Steve and I talk about our gear of the year selections. As you'll hear about, we've done this for a handful of years in a row. And really, it's just an opportunity for us to look back at the prior year, to consider the hunts and other adventures that we've been on, and to talk about any gear that stood out. We try to pick some options that are budget-friendly, as well as some of the high-end gear that we get to fortunately test and put to use. So stay tuned for that. Before we do, though, just wanted to remind you guys, kind of a last call for the Exo Experience giveaway. There's still time this week to get entered if you haven't done that yet. We actually just gave away the November prize from our friends at Sig Sauer, and Clara Tapio won a Sig Cross Rifle, as well as some of their Zulu 6 binos. So if you guys want to check out more about that, go to exomountaingear.com forward slash experience. There's a link for that in the show description as well. And speaking of links in the show description, you'll be able to find all of the gear that we're talking about today, our 2021 gear of the year picks. So as you hear what we're discussing, if you have any interest in those items, go check out our 2021 gear of the year blog post on the Exomountain Gear website, and it'll have a link to everything that we're discussing today. As always, guys, we appreciate you tuning in and supporting the show. If you have anything for us, you can email us directly to podcast at exomountaingear.com. If you're enjoying the show, we would love to have you share it with a friend or leave a rating or review in whatever podcast app you happen to use. All right, let's get into it. Here's me and Steve talking about our favorite gear from this year. All right, Steve, that time of year again, we've done it uh, for a handful of years now, talked about gear of the year, and that's looked a little bit uh, differently each time we've done it, I think, but this year it's going to be pretty laid back, pretty informal. We'll just chat through some of the standouts. It's not necessarily like the best gear ever, but we'll talk about uh, some things that sent out to us this year. And uh, as mentioned in the show intro, you guys can go back, check out the links in the show description uh, to look at the previous picks that we did in 2018, 2019, and 2020. Uh, Before we dive into this year, Steve, let's go ahead and chat on 2020 real quick and just do a follow-up because I think it's one thing to talk about new gear. It's another thing to, um, you know, go back and really talk about, am I still using this? Uh, And what, what have you learned more about it? So um, I guess we'll just start at the beginning. One of the top picks that you had in 2020 was food. It was the big sir bars. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Use those this season. Um, they've just been, yeah, they're just a fantastic fuel source for me. They just work really, really well. Like one of them at breakfast, you know, eat like with coffee first thing in the morning carries me through like I've good, good sustained energy all morning long and then don't need something till say 10 or 11 o'clock. And then, uh, yeah, just whenever I've, um, basically need to eat a snack where I know, um, that I'm not most likely to eat again for quite a few hours. Right. So it's like, um, mm-hmm. like, all right, we're going to make a big push here. We've got like, we're going to cover four or five miles. Uh, we're sitting down now. I'm going to eat this thing and, uh, just holds me over well. So been very, very happy with it. Recommended it to anyone and everyone I can. I don't know a single person that doesn't think they're delicious. And, um, yeah, it's just nice. And it's, it is, I also, um, they're, you know, 630 ish calories per bar and it's, it just makes 
packing easier because that almost replaces most of the items uh, in my bag are between that two and 300 calories. So it kind of replaces two to three items with one thing. So just, you know, when I'm making my food bags that the, you know, the days leading up to a trip, it's just um, grab two of those, bam, I got 1200 calories. Like it just makes things simple. And I'm definitely, you know, all about simple on, on stuff like that. Yeah. I had him on my list in 2020. Thanks to uh, you and Tyler Boschma who introduced me to him yep. and yeah, same still use them, still love them. Typically pack one a day for every hunt. Sometimes I even split them into uh, eating them in two different snacks essentially. Cause as you said, they're dense. So they're, as you said, they're great for may not be eaten for four or five hours or, you know, breaking them up through the day also works. I just love that they pack well. They don't, you know, they don't get too crushed or crumbly or anything like that. And as you said, they're kind of always tasty no matter the conditions. So the next thing um, from 2020, again, was something we both had on our list and we had made those lists separately in 2020, but we both had the wiser precision quick sticks. Um, I feel like we are just a broken record talking about these (laughs) because we've talked about them a lot, but uh, just genuinely use them a lot, right? Like they're just, they've literally been kind of a game changer really for rifle hunting. So uh, definitely still on the list for me and I, I can't see not packing them. Yeah. They've um, they kind of remade the list this year as well. In a sense, we'll talk about it later, but uh, just a phenomenal, super light, simple product that it's kind of one of those no brainers. You had Crocs on the list in 2020. I think uh, if I remember right, that was coming off of your Alaskan sheep hunts and Mm -hmm. doing that Creek pack out. Um, I think your Croc life for permanent basis now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We call them all terrains, man. Cause they were, um, yeah, I was, you know, from a lightweight perspective, I'd see guys packing Crocs just so they like, when they get to camp at night, they had comfortable feet, you know, and, um, and I always just thought that was silly. Right. Uh, but when we went to Alaska, it was, I mean, a legit mode of transportation was slapping the Crocs on and walking up through the creeks. And, and we didn't, you know, miles and miles and miles of that. Like uh, the, his pack out was for uh Boshma sheep was 15 miles. I think if I remember right. And like more than half of that was walking in the Creek. Uh, and you just could not have done that trip without him. And then, so now, um, heck when I was planning my, uh, my Frank shirt sheep hunt this year, it was like, ah, oh, there's a Creek. Uh, that's, that's an access point, right? That's a, that's a way to access this country if I needed. Um, and as I knew just th- that I could throw Crocs in and go. So, uh, I didn't, um, didn't have to use them on that. We, you and I used them on our elk hunt. Um, there's a stream up there that we had to cross a bunch of times. So it's worthwhile packing them. Um, so just a great, oh, just a, a, a great tool to have in the arsenal, right? Like seeing water and knowing that it's no longer an, an obstacle. Uh, it's a, it's actually like a highway is, um, it's pretty cool. It just opens up country. Yeah, for sure. And it, when water is not a barrier, right? Like when even not even packing up a Creek, like you idiots did, but <laughs> when you're just facing like crossings and, uh, you just know that you have the tools and, you know, it's, I feel like it's one of those things too, that maybe guys who are newer to Western hunting or just haven't done a lot of Creek crossings and things like that. Like they just think that getting wet would be terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just really not bad, man. Like take your boots off, cross the Creek. Yeah. It might be cold. You're going to start hiking and warm back up. Like, it's just not, 
it's not even something they think twice about anymore is, you know, either taking the pants off and taking the boots off or rolling the pants up or do what you have to do and get wet and get over with and keep trucking. So, yeah, even, even if it's 30 degrees out, it's not bad. Gosh, I remember the 2000 was it 18 death hike where I made everybody at five in the morning, jump in the Creek for like a minute. Like it wasn't bad. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. you like lost your breath and, and whatever, but you, you got it out of that thing. Uh, you put your dry clothes on, you started hiking and within five minutes, you didn't even know that happened. Like it was not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, another item you had for 2020, which honestly I still is on my shopping list and just haven't pulled the trigger, but should is the stellar equipment ultralight down hooded jacket. Yep. Yep. That uh, continue to rock that continue to recommend it to people. Again, it's, it's another one that, um, I've not had a person that bought it that come back to me like, oh man, you know, that, that wasn't a good recommendation. Like everybody loves that thing. It's super light, super warm, uh, has an excellent DWR on it. Like it's a very impressive jacket. Two more items you had on the list were SIG BDX rifle scope and Swarovski NL Pure binos. I know that we'll talk optics a bit later, so feel free to add comments here or just say, yeah, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just talk about it. Cause I, I have two new picks this year, uh, that are different than these two that are the exact same, a rifle scope and binoculars. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that further. Okay. Perfect. Um, so yeah, running up my selections for 2020 again, I had the big sur bar. I had the wiser precision quick sticks, which we talked about. I had the hammer bullets on there, uh, which I discussed both from, a a loading perspective, nothing has been easier to develop a load for and given me insane results like the hammer bullets. Uh, and then in 2020, my experience with them had been limited on game. I'd killed my elk with them, uh, but not much else that year. Uh, this year, continued to use them, killed my elk with them again, um, have also killed some deer with them since last year's conversation. Um, everything I've shot with them has been down in sight. We talked a bit before, I think in our elk hunting recap of, you know, the concern I think is not having blood trails, uh, getting entry, getting exit, great penetration, everything's down on site. So, so far can't complain. It's just that lingering, like, what if I finally shoot something with a hammer bullet and it doesn't go down in sight and I can't blood track, but, uh, still they continue to be phenomenal, um, in terms of ease of loading, I've loaded them uh, in new cartridges and calibers since last year. So, um, yeah, just the results and the accuracy and consistency is unlike anything else. Also had on my list, um, the inline fabrication quick change reloading mounts seems like a super simple thing, but for me, uh, and reloading, it's been, uh, so critical because I just have limited space for my stuff and being able to change a press in and out quickly or change to a case trimmer in and out quickly or move my stuff out of the way completely and just have that quick mounting plate. Um, there has been great. So continue to use that stuff. And I'll, um, I'll try to remember to throw a link in the show description for a reloading article, um, that we've done in the past year since this past podcast on essentially all the gear I use and what I'd recommend as, uh, keeping beginners in mind. Right. So where can you just pick up a kit all in box reloading setup and go, or where should you think about, you know, doing some maybe upgrades or changes and things like that. So I'll throw that in there. The final thing I had on the list in 2020 was the Nemo tensor Alpine sleeping pad. 
still using it, still loving it. Yeah, there's just not much to say there. It's light, it's warm, it's comfortable. It's been incredibly durable. Uh, I've used it on everything from uh, the death hike we did this past year when it was, you know, negative two and sleeping on snow uh, up till even the, you know, early season hunts like September, October and all that. So um, great sleeping pad. Can't uh, say I'm looking or considering anything else at this point. So still rocking it. So that's 2020. Um, again, guys, there'll be links in the show description to go view all of that gear. And then also the prior gear lists for 2018, 2019. Um, going into 2021, Steve, as I mentioned, we'll keep this pretty kind of informal, somewhat unstructured. I think in 2018, for example, we had very specific, like here's our pick for under 50. And then we had picks for certain price categories this year. I just wanted to think about what did we use this year that stood out and we got experience with and liked regardless of, you know, what it costs or what it was or things like that. I did happen to break mine into kind of low price point, mid price point, higher price point. Um, but we can chat about things in any order. I think what we'll do, Steve, for now, I haven't seen your full list. You haven't seen my full list. Let's alternate. And you mentioned one, I mentioned one, and we'll just keep going. Sounds good. You're up. Uh, we'll start with the cheapest one. I bought when I was going on the sheep hunt, I wanted, um, I just wanted to document it pretty well. Like I was, uh, tempted to pack like, uh, my Sony RX 100 camera, which is a really nice compact camera. Uh, but ultimately I was like, man, the cell phone does, does such an amazing job these days that, uh, I was like, I wonder if they make a remote shutter and jumped on Amazon typed in, you know, uh, like iPhone remote shutter and bam, uh, you know, like this first thing popped up, it's like five-star reviews, thousands of reviews. And it was like nine 99 for a pack of two of them. I was like, huh, sweet. So I ordered that up. And then at the same time I ordered up, it's called, um, what was that thing called? Uh, gorilla pod mobile mini. So just like a little miniature gorilla pod tripod thing. I think I'm sure some people are familiar with that, that it just clamps onto your phone. And between those two items that they maybe weigh an ounce and a half. And it allowed me to take like really good photos by myself, right? I can just uh, like, here's a cool shot I want to get of me standing wearing the pack. So I just put that little thing on a tree limb or set it on a rock. And then you got the remote shutter so you can walk, you know, 20 feet away. You push the button, it takes a picture. It was really, really slick. And then I ended up using it a bunch, like up in Kodiak. Uh, every animal that we killed, you know, was I was with somebody. So we'd I'd set my um, trekking poles down in the snow and put that thing on top of it and be able to take photos. So for an ounce and a half and like, you know, between the two, maybe it's $30 in cost. It's a really, really cool little tool to have. I like it. Uh, the first one I had also cheapest, um, was just food again. Um, we mentioned the, uh, the bars prior, but another kind of bar type food I've been relying heavy on is really basic. And it's just the nature Valley nut butter biscuits. Um, there's several reasons I like these they come in different flavors. So I think they have at least probably five different flavors. And so you can kind of mix it up. So everything's not the same all the time. They're very cheap. You can get them anywhere. So you can buy like a big box on Amazon, or you can go to the local grocery store, target, what have you pretty much every place has them. Um, and I just haven't gotten sick of them. And for me, they're that good balance of having some carbs, having some fat, having some protein always taste good. Um, and just cheap and easy. So I'm always looking for things like that. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, I used to, for example, carry like a packet of Justin's nut butter and maybe some wheat thins or something like that. Cause usually some sort of like carb or cracker or something with peanut butter just is always good to me. And so this combines that and simplifies it. So I'm not, you know, having two separate things. It's just uh, a nice biscuit with nut butter already there. And in between less mess, less mess and less fuss and really cheap and easy. So that was definitely something I'd done before, but just didn't rely on as consistently or heavily as I did this year uh, and found that even though I used them a ton, I didn't get sick of them either. Uh, The next one for me, just if I'm looking at this going up in price, uh, mechanics wear fast fit gloves. Uh, But Tyler Boschmo was on our sheep hunt. He had some mechanics gloves. Like I, I put them on warm. I was very, very impressed with them immediately got home, ordered up a, a couple pairs. Uh, they were so stinking cheap. You know, I think they're, I just looked them up. They're on sale right now for 1199. Uh, they're, they were just fantastic gloves. I've started ever since Kodiak, our first trip there, I started, I never, ever packed, um, anything but a glove for warmth, right? Never thought about gloves for navigating terrain or things like that. And, um, but Kodiak kind of, you know, like, man, you have to there. And then I started using them on select hunts where I know essentially the terrain is going to be just rough and rugged, uh, where it's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of vertical rocky, you know, shale type stuff. So on my sheep hunt, I was wearing, um, I can't remember what pair I had to start off with. And then, um, and then yeah, I ended up finish up the rest of the season elk hunt and up in Kodiak again with those mechanics gloves. And they're just fantastic. They can, um, one thing I really appreciate is as much as I use my phone now for maps and stuff like that, you can, I don't know what the technology is in the fabric there, but it, you know, you can actually sense, use your phone through the gloves, uh, which is pretty cool. So it's, it's nice not to have to take your glove every time off. If you just want to pull your phone out and take a photo or something like that. And, um, yeah, they're just been, uh, having those gloves are just awesome. Like just navigating, whether it's rocks or brush or whatever. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, another pretty budget-friendly item that I thought of this year uh, was the hard side hydration. Um, it's basically the Nalgene lid that is also bladder uh, hose compatible. So um, I've talked about this and mentioned before, there's always going to be a lot of personal preference that comes into play on your choice of do you run bladder or bottle and when do you run bladder versus bottle and all the different aspects of that. And for me, it's just, I like having an arsenal of options. Um, and this was an option that flat out didn't exist. Um, being able to use a bottle for the benefits of a bottle, but be able to drink from a drinking tube and have that convenience and putting that all together. Um, it just opens up a new opportunity that I'm glad I have for certain scenarios. So, um, actually the guys who started this were listeners of the podcast sent me a prototype early last year, uh, ran it on some spring hunts and trips, uh, ran it on hunts this fall. Um, and it's been good. So it's just, again, one of those budget-friendly items introduces basically almost a, I don't want to say a new category, but just a new option, uh, for hunts, um, that combines the benefits of a drinking tube and a bottle and puts it all together. So something unique and different, um, definitely used this year and will continue to use for sure. Um, so yeah, you guys can check that out if you're interested there. 
Next up for me is uh, Kestrel glassing systems, their binocular adapter. Um, so Swaro last year, gear of the year was Swaro NL Pures. Uh, like me and everyone else who follows like, were dumbfounded that they brought out of a new binocular that did not include threads uh, to mount to a tripod. Like it's just mind numbing that that's something that they ignore. Um, and, uh, so you've started to see, there's been a few companies now pop up. Kestrel's one of them that's making little adapters that clamp onto the binocular itself that can then allow you to either, uh, there's, there's one new one called Asiac equipment. I saw them pop up on Instagram. Um, and that's more of a simplified clamp that just goes straight. It's like, it's, I think it's got an arca plate on the bottom clamps right into a tripod. What I like about the Kestrel one is because I'm always running on a, some type of two-way pan head um, that uh, it basically gives you a clamp and gives you the threads. And then I can run the Swaro, um, their binocular tripod adapter, which it's just such a really clean system. Um, and it allows you to rotate the binoculars inside once it's clamped on there. Right. So if you're sitting on a hillside and you're glassing down and you need to kind of, you can basically level out the binoculars, like your whole, your tripod doesn't have to be level. You can just rotate the binoculars, probably like 20, 25 degrees, just throwing a number out there. Um, and so, yeah, that Kestrel clamp is, you know, I don't think it is maybe weighs an ounce or something like that. It's, I think it's 3d printed carbon fiber um, works fantastic. We uh, started selling them at SNS archery, um, and just been a fantastic little product. So if you've, if you've got some binoculars that don't have tripod threads, um, highly, highly recommend that Kestrel, uh, adapter. Yeah, that's a slick setup for sure. I was, uh, checking that out after I got that really right stuff cinch, uh, mm-hmm. which is another option to consider. Um, if Kestrel by chance doesn't have, an option for the specific binos that you're after. Uh, the cinch yeah. is a universal option, but the Kestrel is definitely more low profile and has some other benefits for sure. If yeah. it's compatible with the binos you're running. Right. And the same problem with the cinch is you can't rotate them once, once they're clamped in there, they are fixed. And so if you're, you need to glass downhill at an angle, uh, you're like, you know, canting and kinking your neck at a 45 degree angle to do that instead of just being able to sit there more naturally. All right. Uh, I guess I'll just keep going up in price, um, entering kind of mid range, not cheap stuff anymore, but not like new bow level cost of the thousands of dollars potentially. Um, I ran the Arcteryx Adam LT hoodie a ton this year, um, and really, really liked it. It was, it's light, um, it's synthetic, not down and, it's, it's actually a lot warmer than I thought it was going to be. I actually first got it because I was looking for that sweet spot of having insulation um, that wasn't too sensitive to overheating. And so one is down is incredibly warm, but I'm just quick and down, even relatively light down to just kind of get that clammy feeling um, under any activity. And the Adam LT I chose being synthetic, but also because it has um, kind of the mid panels. So under your arms and then down your full length of your side, it is not insulated and has a stretch material that's a bit breathe, a uh, bit more breathable. And so that's the reason I was kind of picking it up. And I just honestly ended up using it way more than I thought I would. Uh, and so it really definitely became a standout for me. 
the one that I got came in a nice, like earth tony green color. I think they call it crocodile. Um, so I used it a ton for hunting and yeah, just really, really liked that piece this year. Awesome. Uh, next up in price for me. Ooh, uh, everyone will love this one. Solomon, <laughs> Solomon cross hikes. Uh, Steve's excited. Boots, ex- shoes. Uh, I just, you know, I was really trying, uh, to find something that was going to be a little bit tougher, a little bit more waterproof for the Frank church sheep hunt. Like I knew that's really, really rough, rugged country after tougher hunting. Than it, what though? Cause those cross tracks are, I don't know if I'd say they're tough. No. Yeah. That's the thing. They're done. Like okay. that's <laughs> yeah, a hundred <laughs> miles of the Frank and they're done. Literally throw them in the trash. Um, but no, I, I was trying to find something. I mean, I ordered 20 different pairs of boots this year, you know, shoes, boots, hikers, and just man, nothing like everything was just had at least one thing wrong with it. And maybe it fit well, but the tread sucked or, um, just for, you know, multiple reasons, uh, I just things didn't work out. And then on a whim I was like, I know, I know Solomon's work for me. Uh, so I bought some, I think at REI, like the day before I left for the first sheep hunt and that through that entire hunt, all those miles I logged in that country, um, I didn't have a single blister, a single hotspot, didn't have like just nothing. I mean, that 21 mile pack out, uh, there was not once where I was like, oh, my feet like ache or anything like that. They were just comfortable the entire time. So it just, um, the, the downside is they were waterproof at first, but you know, they literally have holes in them and they're falling apart. And I, they're, uh, if you know, throw them in the trash or just relegate them to like mowing the lawn shoes just after, after that one, uh, the, the two sheep hunts. So, um, but, uh, I, you know, for a hundred and if you get them on sale for a hundred and something, 20 bucks, it's, uh, I don't know, comfortable feet are, uh, worth a lot of money. So, yeah. And I don't think your average, like elk or mule deer hunt would trash on like a sheep hunt. The no, either. gosh, no. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You'd Keep get that a, mind. you'd get a full season out of them. It just, I'm still stuck in the same problem of finding like, okay, what if it's, you know, like we had up on Kodiak, uh, but in country where I've got to log a lot of miles where you're in, you know, 18 inches of snow all the time. I don't have that. I don't have a comfortable solution. So, mm-hmm. uh, the, the search continues. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I will say I was, uh, I was quite boring in boots this year and the Hanbogs made the list for me. I had both the Mocker trucks and the Alverstones and pretty much those are the only two boots I wore all year. I mean, I, I would like randomly pick up another pair I had and owned and, you know, do a training hike in them. But thinking back, man, everything from the death hike, every spring hunt, all of my training in the summer, every hunt this fall, it was one of, it was one of those two pairs of boots. Um, and in that time, literally from zero degrees to 90 plus degrees training hikes in the summer, uh, I, not one, I can't think of one like blister or hotspot. Like they just fit my feet. Um, and they've, they've stayed waterproof. The Mocker treks initially, um, especially in the first half of the year are what I wore most of. Um, and then wore those like for archery elk. And I remember cleaning them like they were looked like they were pretty trash, but I actually cleaned my boots, which I never do. Um, and they're actually still in pretty solid shape. So they've had, they've had great life. Um, absolutely zero issues with them. 
just, yeah, I just can't complain. So there, there were literally boots that I'm just would blindly pick up another pair and pretty much just take them anywhere and do anything for me. So, um, yeah, it's fully happy there. Nice. I'll have to send you that extra pair of mocker trucks I have that don't work for me. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> All right. Where you at Steve? Uh, oh, so wiser precision, they're quick sticks. Um, same company wiser developed a pan head. Um, uh, and it's a ultra light, I think it's like 6.2 ounces. Uh, they sent me a kind of pre-production sample and I was like, this thing's nice. It's not quite like, not quite smooth enough for me. Um, it was, it was really close. Right. Uh, I was like, I've you know, been running the Sure VA five. It's a one pound head, but incredibly smooth. You can run pretty much whatever optic you want on there. As far as, you know, an 80 millimeter scope with a bigger, uh, say a bigger camera in the back, if you're digiscoping or something like that, and it's going to perform very, very well. So that's kind of the bar I was comparing against. And, uh, it was like, okay, this, this, this pre-production model is super, super good, but not perfect. Um, gave them a little bit of feedback. They had already knew it. Uh, they were working on the tooling to get it like very precise. Uh, for my first sheep hunt, they sent me the like early, the first production models and it was insanely smooth. Um, very, very impressed with that thing. In fact, uh, when, when Tyler Boschma went with me, he basically took it from me. Like we got back to the truck and he's like, Hey, can I, uh, can I take that pinhead? Uh, cause he was heading to Montana for his unlimited sheep hunt. And, uh, I was like, yeah, man, have at it. And he ran it all season, loved it. Uh, I've, um, I got another, uh, or ordered up another one from those guys and then let other people borrow it and just had awesome feedback all the way around for uh, So six ounces, 6.2 ounces, very smooth, very clean. Um, just a fantastic pan head. So, um, I, I highly, highly recommend if you're in the market that, uh, that you check that thing out. So I think it's just, uh, they call it the Nighthawk pan head and it's on their website, uh, wiserprecision.com or whatever it is. Um, it's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And speaking of links, what we're going to do guys is try and post up one, uh, like one blog post basically on the exo site. That's going to have everything we're mentioning today. And then, so all the links to the individual products will be on that. So you should be able to go to the show description, look for the one link for our 2021 gear of the year picks, and then get everything from there. Um, next for me was the shelter I've been running. Um, I've had the, I had this one last year, but just didn't have enough experience to like fully comment on it and then used it for everything this year, every backpack hunt for sure. And again, the death hike, things like that. And it's uh, by Gossamer gear and it's just called the one. And so it's a trekking pole supported shelter. Um, it's for me, an ideal balance of being light, having a relatively small footprint, but not sacrificing me into feeling like I'm in a sardine can. So being six, two, plenty of length as I'm laying. And at the same time, if there's bad weather, easy for me to sit up in, um, full height there, easy for me to change clothes in and have some elbow room, uh, vestibules right there to cook, uh, if I need to stay in the shelter, but, um, cook, do things like that. So, um, it's, yeah, it's just that for me, like a really, really sweet spot of 
balancing everything from uh, weight, ease of setup, um, usability, all that stuff. So um, really, really like that shelter, uh, used it for every single backpack hunt. And honestly, yeah, I mean, there's still times where if it's the weather's super mild, no real chance of weather, then yeah, I could grab a bivy. Or on the flip side of that, if I'm going into crazy, crazy Alaska winds, could choose something quote unquote stronger. Um, but for what most guys would encounter in the lower 48, this would be such a good solution. Um, handles snow decently well. I unintentionally had it in some snow loads. Um, yeah, just really, really happy with it. Nice. Um, we've talked about this a lot. It wasn't gear of the year last year. It should have been Thunder Beast's uh, Ultra 5 suppressor. I just can't say enough about it. Steve's um, in lost for words. Yeah. <laughs> They're awesome. <laughs> just, I, it's just awesome, man. Get, like, absolutely buy one, wait your, you know, six to 12 months, whatever the heck it takes to get your license permit for it. Um, but it's worth it. I, I will never hunt with a one out without one again. Yeah. I mean, suppressors on the list for me as well this year. Um, again, we had those last year for the hunts, but didn't have as much experience, uh, on the hunt as well as just even shooting them. Didn't have it. I think I got mine in probably June of 2020. Um, something like, does that sound right, Steve? May, June, somewhere in there. I, yeah, I anyway, shot at preseason last year, shot it, um, you know, for like our elk hunt last year, but this year I just had a lot more opportunity to not only use it on more hunts, uh, and kill a handful of animals with it, but, um, use it a ton, probably thousands of rounds through at this point. And I just literally can't imagine going back to being without it. Um, and I just love the, for Thunderbeast specifically, I love how light it is. I love how simple it is. And just that repeatability of it is unmatched where I can literally screw that off of one rifle, screw it on another rifle and not even question, did my point of impact change? Um, yeah, which is hard to beat. So yeah. I have it, you know, set up for several rifles and move it back and forth and, yeah, just, just absolutely love it. So, um, another, if you guys haven't seen it, I guess just another thing to throw out there is another article I wrote this past year on, um, shooting with suppressors, some things to look for, some things to know. It's not specific to the Thunder Beast, but if you're just considering the pros and cons and benefits and things you should know about hunting with a suppressor, um, you guys can go check that article out as well. That'll be up there. Um, I think that was me piggybacking off of you, Steve. So I guess I'll pick another one. Um, range finding binos. I'll leave that as a category, not as an item, but it, again, it just, I feel like using the term game changer again, which I personally hate that term, but that's the way <laughs> I feel like it's just, yeah, it's just hard to, for rifle hunting, it's, it would be hard to not have them. And you know, I force me. Sure. I'll go back to having binos and handheld rangefinder. I just really, really don't want to. <laughs> and even so purposely this fall, there was times, cause I was like testing new rangefinders, handheld rangefinders, um, where I was carrying my rangefinding binos and carrying a handheld rangefinder. Um, you know, it's just hard to go back to a handheld, um, with these because 
the binos are much more comfortable. They're easier to hold steady. They're easy to pick up on targets. A lot of times because of the aperture, the bino is much bigger. It's actually easier to get range. Um, the lasers can operate more effectively than the small handheld. So uh, yeah, they're just great. I, we've talked before, if guys have listened to the podcast, have used the SIG Kilo 3000s. They're fantastic for the price. Um, this year I was running um, the Zeiss RF binos. Steve, you were running the Swaro new binos. They're both great. Uh, we kind of picked them apart. I'm trying to think of what podcast that was. We probably chatted about that, Steve. Hmm. After the bear hunt this spring? It was probably? after the spring bear hunt. Yeah, yeah. When we had them both side by side for the first time and went back yeah. and forth. So go back to the spring. Um, and it's probably on a Monday minute, something to do with range finding binos. But I'll let you pick whatever ones you want for your budget and for what you're looking for. But having a range finding bino that also has some sort of ballistic solution that you can tailor to your specific rifle and ammunition and get a holdover in the binos is just flat out tough to beat. Yeah. I'll add the, the, the biggest change to me is they're now including um, pressure, right? So you got your ele- elevation and temperature included. The binos are sensing that as you're ranging and adjusting your uh, holdover for that. So it's truly like an all-in-one solution. In the past, I mean, you kind of need to like, um, with the older generation SIGs, they've just come out with the new ones that have that built in. You still kind of had to at least get in their app and, you know, because whether you're at 3,000 feet or 10,000 feet and none of this matters on, you know, shots under three, 400 yards. But if you're going to shoot five, six, 700, uh, you do, that stuff will matter. You you are talking enough inches there that it's going to have an impact on your, where you're hitting. Um and so having all that stuff just built in is incredible. It's, it truly is. So yeah, I ran the, the new EL range TAs going back. I had the NL Swaro NL peers as my you know binocular choice last year, and they are amazing. Uh, and I was, uh, it was, it was like, it's, it was almost frustrating going into the sheep hunt. Like I knew I needed the absolute best glass I could pack just to get every advantage I could. Uh, but at the same time, the convenience of these EL range TAs, it was, there, there was somewhat of an internal debate for me of like, do I take the pures and a handheld or do I take the EL range TAs and just have rangefinder and binos built in and you just sacrifice a little bit in optical quality. They're very, very impressive, but they're not pures and not, nothing is a pure. Those are just the most amazing glass you can put your eyes behind. So, um, but that, that's, I ended up packing the EL range TAs. I went with the eight by 42s. I appreciate the wide field of view. They're bright, amazing resolution um, for what they are, like just fantastic binoculars. So can't go wrong. We've just got, um, you know, way too many good choices these days that uh, uh, it's a good time to be a gear junkie, I guess. Yeah. Stay on optics, Steven. You're talking rifle scopes. What were you thinking there and comparing that to last year? Yeah. So last year on the sheep hunt up in Alaska, I took, um, the SIG BDX rifle scope. And I had, um, handheld rangefinder right. That's that, uh, basically would put a red dot where you needed to aim. And I was, I was very impressed with that system. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a, a lag sometimes if it didn't connect right away, you know, I was, I would definitely kind of, um, if I thought I was going to be in a situation, um, where I was going to be shooting in the next few minutes, I'd make sure to get that connected and make sure it was reading, um, and, uh, I really like the system. It's very precise, worked well. Um, and, 
unfortunately, Idaho, like any electronics uh, on your weapon, is illegal. Um, so having that rifle scope on my guns illegal. So that scope was just completely out of the the mix for anything here in Idaho. And uh, so I got just started looking around and we've had plenty of discussions on the podcast about first focal plane scopes and second focal plane scopes. And I've been a a big fan of first focal plane uh, prior to these new binoculars that come out, right. That it's so simple now just to push the button dial eight and a quarter, dial eight and a quarter and shoot. Uh, like there's, it's, it's very, very simple. Um, and I'm dialing, you know, anything over 200 yards, I'm going to range and dial, right? Like it's, uh, it's just happens so fast that there's just no reason not to, not to have that precision. And, uh, so I ended up settling on the night force, um, scopes. And then they had a, a model called the NXS two and a half to 10 by 42, picked that up and absolutely loved that little scope. Um, the 10 X was, uh, it's enough magnification that I can comfortably shoot animals. Um, like my, my sheep was 533 yards. I think I had no problem at that distance that the glass is really clear and the, the reticle is really clear. So you're, you're getting a very precise kind of aiming point, even though the animal isn't necessarily really big in your scope. You don't, I don't feel like I'm giving up anything. Um, and then it's just tough as nails. Like on the, uh, when we, when Tyler and I packed out my sheep out of the Frank this year, he was like, uh, he was eyeballing the scope and I was talking how much I liked it. And then, you know, I think towards the end of the day too, uh, as we're near the end of the pack out, just because of the nature of that pack out. And, you know, it was pretty difficult at times busting through brush and shale and just, just nasty. Um, he's like, if that scope's still zeroed, I'm going to buy one. And uh, sure enough, I got home and uh, like next, that next week I went out just to check zero on the gun. And it, you know, I went immediately to like 400 yards and shot and just hit perfect uh, and texted Tyler. Oh, still zeroed. Um, so, I mean, it took like that scope took, it's got scratches and it's beat the crap. Like you would think I've had it on my gun for five years after one season of use. Uh, part of that's I'm just tough on my gear. And, and then other part of it was I just had some, you know, physical hunts this year. And, um, uh, it's, yeah, it's just held up beautifully and I've, I just have no complaints at all. So, uh, I guess one thing to add on that, the saying the 10 X is plenty of magnification to shoot long distance, but it's not so much magnification that, um, you're kind of too zoomed in on the animal. So at 10 X, the, the, uh, the MOA reticle in the scope is, is accurate, right? Uh, that's the downside of a second focal plane scope is when you're not at max magnification, the, the reticle means nothing on the inside. If you're looking at the, the hash marks, um, at 10 X, everything's working. You can hold two MOA for your windage. You know, I'm dialing my elevation and then it's just a windage hold. Um, but it's not so zoomed in that when I shoot, and you know you get kicked off it's hard to find the target again uh, so there's like this good and it's kind of like um comparing binoculars to having a wide field of view like you you want that wider field of view to see more country um and you get that with that 10x on that rifle scope so very very impressed with it um can't recommend it enough yeah one thing uh steve i just realized we skipped over from 2020 that you had picked um and wanted to come back to also because I had some experience with it in 2021 this year was the Eagle Hawk knife. Um, so you had picked that mm. last year, yep. uh, maybe go ahead and touch on it quick and then I can follow up on that a little bit. 
Um, fantastic knife Eagle Hawks, uh, Australian company. I think we, we had a exo customer, uh, James is his name. Um, he knows the guy and basically connected us and, uh, sent some samples a couple of years ago. He, uh, ran those last year. He remade the knife. We threw some exo logos on it this year, just made a, like 10 of them or something. I've just kind of given out to friends and whatnot and, uh, made it with S 90 V steel. So kind of, um, I was familiar with that steel from that Benchmade Altitude knife. And uh, I was yeah, really impressed with it. I bounced, uh, I used that Eagle Hawk knife and then the, the Chris Reeves uh, knife that we made with them. Um, it's their knife. We just put an XO logo on the handle um, with S45 steel. And both of them were fantastic knives. Uh, I, I bounced back and forth uh, up in Kodiak. You know, the, every day I uh, would swap knives because every day we were killing something and then uh, use the knife and get dull. And then I'd go to the sharp one and then hand the knife off to you to get sharpened and rotate them again. Yeah. When you said earlier, kind of like living in the golden age of gear in terms of optics discussion, but that's kind of how I feel with knives right now. There's just so many good options out there. Um, and like you said, for years, the last handful of years, I'd used the altitude a ton and loved it. Um, use the Eagle Hawk this year, the Chris Reeves, and then also one of the Argali knives and, all four of those used this year, all on game. Um, they're all good. They're just, you know, kind of pick on preference or whatever you're looking at. They have steels from S90 to S45 to S35. Um, yeah, just uh, makes me think of one of those categories of like, gosh, what knife do you recommend? I don't know. Here's five amazing <laughs> knives. Pick one right. up and like go use it because, yeah. yeah, there's just so many, so many good options out there. What'd you have remaining on your list, Steve? Oh, that's it, man. That's yeah. it. Well, perfect. it's funny. Like in my, together. Yeah. In my head, I'm uh, like, yeah, I didn't use that much new stuff this year. And then you kind of go through the list and uh, it's like, man, that, there's a lot of little changes in there that kind of add up. And um, I think, you know, obviously you and I talk a lot on this podcast that gear is fun. Gear does not make the hunter. Uh, like, you know, I could go back to, you know, 20 years ago stuff and you still just kill as many animals as you do. It just adds a little bit of comfort. And, um, you know, some of these things are just incremental changes over time that, yeah, when you do look back and compare to your gear that you had 10, 15 years ago, um, there's definitely some serious upgrades in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, if I remember correctly, we talked about that even last year on the gear of the year podcast on, and there's so much stuff we're not going to say because, you don't need new gear every year. Right. And we, we have more opportunity than most guys to, to get our hands on new gear, but at the same time, there's so many things that are just standbys where I'm just not going to change. Right. Mm. Um, there's so, so much of my gear, especially in the last five years has been really consistent. Like once I figure out what I like, if it's good, I'm just going to stick with it. Yeah. Um, and so there's just a lot of things like that, but I mean, even this list is, is, many things, as I mentioned, that I'm just really, really happy with. Um, at the same time, I could look at this list and be like, I think the one thing I would just absolutely spend my money on from everything I mentioned this year would be getting a suppressor if I didn't have one. Because hmm. other than that, I already had like yeah. a puffy jacket, right? I already had a good shelter. Um, I already had good boots. And so you know, the puffy jacket and sheltered boots I mentioned this year, I like better than what I had, but it's not like I needed or had to replace old stuff, you know, with new stuff this year. So it's just, yeah, I mean, 
love talking about gear and good gear and all that. But as you said, just don't let that be, don't let that be the driver. Get out there and get more experience than you do shopping. I'll put it that way. I guess I had one more, it's not gear specific, but just uh, getting more into rifle hunting and then starting to use different rifle support systems, right? Um, You just, we just did that video on the elk hunt where you're walking through how we use the wiser quick sticks and the pack to shoot. Um, I converted, um, I took our lumbar pad fabric and made a little bag um, that I stuffed my, my game bags and anything else to kind of fill it up pillow and a few other things, socks sometimes to make a rear rifle support bag. Um, Like having these little, I mean, it's night and day different versus when I first started rifle hunting, having nothing, right? Like, but you were relegated to throwing my pack on the ground um, or like looking for a tree limb or a rock or something to shoot off of um, and just getting, getting support. So it's, it's the rear bag. It's the Spartan bipod in the front, the wiser quick sticks, turning your trekking poles into shooting sticks. It's understanding how to use the pack and practicing that. And then just very recently here on the trip to Kodiak, uh, with, I was hunting with Cody Kellum and he, he shot his first buck off his tripod. And that's the first time I'd ever seen that or, or messed with that at all. And, um, it's like, gosh, one more thing to add, like it, there's zero cost penalty to have, have that with you and have the ability to do that. And it's just one more tool, um, when you're out there in the field to, to be able to shoot in different terrain. So, uh, and make, make accurate shots and a lot of variety of terrain. Well, cool guys. Um, again, check out the link in the show description and you can go back and we'll have a list of everything we mentioned links to go, um, check more about that. Um, as always, if you guys have any questions on any of this stuff or anything else for a future podcast episode, you can just send an email to podcast at exomountgear.com and we'll talk to you then.